Take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And tonight, we're going to talk about the thing that if you have it, you don't need anything else. And if you don't, even if you've got tons of stuff, you don't have what you need. We're going to talk about the thing tonight that a lot of people don't have and they think they do. And the thing that a lot of people have and they take for granted. Sinners call it conversion. Theologians call it justification. Children call it asking Jesus into your heart. Jesus talked about being born again. And the Bible uses a word more than any other describing, and it's the word salvation. The word for salvation is used, or the words for salvation are used 157 times in the Bible. It is the overarching story of the Bible is God saving people. From Genesis to Revelation, Genesis sets the scene, Revelation concludes the story. In between is God's salvation plan for his people. It's foreshadowed as early as Genesis chapter 3, what Jesus would do. It's accomplished in the New Testament even after the prophets have declared its coming, even after God has rescued his people as a foreshadowing of Jesus' coming. And Jesus finishes the work and he continues to provide what is needed for it today. Tonight I want to talk about at least one. I have, I have three points. I just warn you, I didn't get anywhere near three points at four o'clock. I got through one. And so we're saving the other two points for next week, and that may be our course. If we're here till 9 o'clock, I might get through three. I told them, at the, I looked up, and I had two minutes left after I got through point one at 4 o'clock. And my second point has two sub-points, and one of those sub-points has six points. And so I bit off a little more than I could chew, probably. So here's the plan over the next two weeks, okay? I'll go ahead and tell you all that on the front end. Over the next two weeks... We're going to look at what is salvation, or how is someone saved, how can I know that I'm saved, and can you lose it once you got it? How are you saved? How do I know I'm saved? Can I lose it once I got it? Okay. We're going to talk through those issues one at a time, but they're all going to come from two verses in the book of Ephesians. Um, There are just books in the Bible that are theologically rich and deep. Ephesians is one of those books. I've told you that starting in September after Labor Day, we're going to be going through Revelation um, verse by verse. And the truth is, Revelation will be easier to go through than Ephesians is for me. Here's the reason. With Ephesians, I'm always afraid I'm missing something that has to be said. Revelation, I don't know what it says, so I can't be missing too much. Right? And Revelation is stories. It's it's a story. It's ten verses telling one story. We're going to look for two weeks at two verses. And we're not going to get everything we need to get in there. We're going to look basically at one verse tonight, and we could spend twice as long as we're going to spend on it. Ephesians chapter... 1 verses 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised 
Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. The first question I want to ask is, how is someone saved? We have to be careful as believers not to use words and not realize what we mean by them. I read uh, about a, a pastor that was in a truck stop bathroom. And he said it's not always advised to read the graffiti in a truck stop bathroom. But he caught one on the wall that was big that said, Jesus saves. And someone had written in red underneath it, from what? And he thought, he was thinking, you know, whoever wrote that knew exactly what they meant. But there are a lot of people that are like, saves from what? What do we need saving from? Now, we know that Scripture teaches that everyone who has ever existed, that has ever lived, is a sinner. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean that we're sinners? That's good. Somebody else. What does it mean? Separate. Why? We're hard-headed. So what does it mean that we're a sinner? You know, here's the thing. We Sometimes we even, as pastors even, I see us deflecting this on what, like you said, we're separated from God. We can't be with God. He's holy. And we have a hard time even admitting what we are. We're not perfect, which means we're sinners. Well, what does that mean? It's like every time I hear that, I think of Barney Fife falling asleep in the sermon. What was that sermon about? Oh, it's about sin. (laughs) What does it mean to sin? Acting contrary to the will of God, okay? It means we do bad stuff. Conscious decision to do the wrong thing. When I ask a child, what does it mean to sin? The best answer they can give me is, I do bad stuff. Right. Here's the thing. I'm not even talking about, I mean, I did ask the question, what does it mean that we are sinners? But we got to get deeper. we got to get to what does it mean that we sin? Because the truth is, yes, we're sinners, but we, we like to use, we're sinners saved by grace, and we are. But what does that mean? We still sin. We still mess up. We still do things that are wrong. For a child, it's easy. Well, what do you do that's wrong? Well, I hit my brother when my mama's not looking. Or I took something that my brother was playing. I'm speaking hypothetically here. No personal experience whatsoever. It's easy for a child. But as adults, we, we like to, well, I make poor decisions. We're still sinful people. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We think things that we should never think. And the truth is, you and I are as as much in need of a Savior today as we were whenever we admitted it and asked Him to come into our hearts. I mean, I today could not make it without Jesus as my Savior. Now, I believe, don't, don't, don't get the idea that I don't believe that he forgave my sins, past, present, and future when he saved me. But when he forgave my sins, past, present, and future, that means there are still sins out there that he's already forgiven, but I'm going to live through them. And so that's it. Now, here's another thing. When I'm with kids and I say, what does it mean to sin? They say, well, it's doing stuff you shouldn't do. And absolutely. And then I say, but you know what sin is also? It's when you don't do that stuff you're supposed to do. 
I said, like, has your mom ever asked you to clean up your room and you didn't go and do it? Yeah. Have you ever had a neighbor that you knew probably wasn't going to church and probably didn't know the Lord and you knew you need to go there and talk to them and you haven't? Ever see someone walking through church and got their head down a little bit and you think, boy, I probably need a little encouragement today. I hope somebody comes along and does that for them. Boy, I hope they got a good Sunday school class. And for kids, it's so simple for us to say that to them, right? Because we can tell them the stuff they're supposed to be doing. It is easy for me to tell Eli, sin is when you don't do what you're supposed to be doing. Let me tell you some things you should be doing right now. It's harder to kind of look at ourselves and think, all right, I know that the Bible teaches me to be an encourager. But it just seems so easy to be a discourager. When I'm in a conversation with somebody and they're talking about somebody, it's easy to let that happen and not stand up and say, yeah, I don't need to do that. It's easy when someone passes along some information to pass it along instead of verifying or giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. So the sin problem we have, sometimes I think as believers, we like to think, well, that's sin problem. Well, those people out there, they got sins, they got problems. But it's ours. And so, Scripture teaches that there is a penalty to sin, right? The wages of sin is feeling bad. Is that what it says? Is two lashes with a switch. The wages of sin is death. I read something somebody wrote this week that said, in essence, everyone on this planet who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior is walking around under the sentence of death. There's a movie that came out a few years ago. Some of you may remember. It's called Dead Man Walking. It's the story of a a Catholic nun who went um, went into a prison, befriended a death row inmate, had a real relationship. She wrote a book about it. But there was a scene in that movie that still gives me chills as I think about it. And it's at the end when they're getting ready to do the execution, and they get him all ready, and he has his meal and all of that, and he starts to walk towards the execution. And there's the the bailiff or the guard or whoever's walking in front of him, and he kind of does this thing, and I, I may not quote it exactly, but I'll get the part that's important exactly. And he says, Clear the way, dead man walking. Clear the way. Dead man walking. It's this image of a guy who is already condemned to death walking to his final place. This pastor I read this week said, next time you're in your car, people are buzzing by you on the interstate. Just think that it's dead man driving dead woman passing. Because the statistics are anywhere close to being right. Two-thirds to three-fourths of the people in Nashville, Tennessee, and the surrounding area are people without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you ask, what are you saved from? That. The penalty of death. The consequences of of your actions. Now, that doesn't mean we don't still have consequences, but eternal consequences 
of your actions. But it's not just what we're saved from, right? That's what we're saved to or for. We're saved for eternal life with Him. We're saved for a life that is beyond what we can imagine here and now. We're saved from our sin, which means we have been cleansed and our slate has been wiped clean as if it had never happened. Scripture gives this understanding that it is not I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I mentioned another uh, one of the I Am Second videos that, that she showed us the other day that has not been released yet. It's a story of a, a magician. And he, he starts the whole talk doing some, a couple of magic card tricks. And he says, as a magician, you're taught to be a skeptic about everything. There's always something behind the curtain. And he talks about at the age of 29, he had a two-year-old and a one-year-old, and he was diagnosed with cancer. And he went into the doctor, and they had run some tests, and the doctor said to him, I've got some bad news. And he said, you mean worse than I've got cancer? He said, yeah. He said, the cancer you have, we can't cure. He said, we can put you into remission in about a year. And then you'll probably be in remission for a year or two, and then it's going to come back. And we can put you back in remission, and it's going to come back. And the only way that you're going to survive long term is if you can find or we can find a donor to give you bone marrow so that somebody else's immunity system can be transported into your body. So they did a search of several million people in a database and they came back with 16 matches. One was perfect and it was a 19-year-old girl. This girl agreed. He went into surgery. He said, I remember looking up and they put some IVs in and they started the procedure and they told me we're about to take out yours and put hers in. He said, if you went and did a test of my blood right now, my blood is the blood of a 19-year-old girl. It is not my own. And he said, I have her blood coursing through my veins, and it has given me brand new life. He said, even as a skeptic, it's not hard to see the parallel to the fact that Jesus' blood is now a part of who I am. And His blood coursing through me gives me brand new life. So when we're talking about saved here, it's not just some word. It's not even something that should be something that's just numbers for us. It is the eternal transformation of the lives of people eternal transformation of the lives of people. So the question is, well, how does it happen? How does this salvation happen? And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says this. It says, And you are also included. And then here's the key phrase, In Christ. What Paul is saying over and over again is, Whatever else salvation is, whatever else you make about it, salvation is grounded, it is centered, it is placed, it is surrounded, it is completed by Christ. You are in Christ. If you are saved, 
You are in Jesus. Now, just in case we didn't get that, listen to this. In the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, the phrase in Him or in Christ is used in verse 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 10, and 13. Over and over again, it is saying that Jesus is the only place to find salvation. This is not like, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes into the Father. It's not that straightforward. But when he says, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, what he's saying is there is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved except for the name of Jesus. Now, some people say that is way too narrow. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Way too narrow. You mean there's only one way? That is arrogant to think there is only one way. Anybody here got a GPS system? Got one? Know about them? Yeah. My GPS woman is arrogant. Right? When I take a wrong turn, she lets me know. Make a U-turn. Recalculating, which means you're dumb. You didn't do what I told you to do. Right? And here's the thing. If I wanted to put in my GPS to go pick up Eli at Madison Creek Elementary School, there is only one road on which I can go on to get to Madison Creek Elementary School. It is located on Madison Creek. I can keep driving on Long Hollow if I would like to, but I'm not going to get to his school. I can keep going on Emily or Crincourt, but I'm going to dead end and I'm not going to get to the school. It is arrogant of them to put that school on only one street. I don't know what they were thinking. Now, here's the thing. I jest about that, but you want to know what arrogant is? Arrogant is when we as humans try to tell God how he ought to run the salvation business. Well, God, you should have made more ways than that. We ought to be thankful that there's one way. We didn't deserve one way. But whatever else it is, in Christ is the essence of salvation. It flows through, it is from, it is for the glory of, and it is because of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the second thing that is a part of it. Not only is it in Him, but then it says this, when you heard. Now, let me just say this real, real clearly. The word heard there is not a good translation. And here's why. Because it doesn't mean heard like we hear heard. There is a difference in hearing and listening. Right? There is a difference between hearing something and listening to something. Has your spouse ever said to me, Are you listening to me? I heard you. Are you listening to me? Hearing means that your ears are in the general vicinity of where the sound is coming. Listening means you are actively engaged with what is being said. There are lots of people that hear my sermons on Sunday morning. There aren't a lot of people that listen to my sermons on Sunday morning. Susan would probably tell you there are lots of times Lyle hears me. I wish he would listen more. There's a difference, right? And what is said here is not that, oh, well, I heard about it. No. What is said here is that we must listen to it. Not that we don't resist it, we don't reject it, we don't rebel against it, we engage in it, we listen. Jesus said, 
all of you, and he said it a little different way here, but all of you who have ears, let them hear. In other words, turn your attention to it and listen. Romans, it says, that part of our job as believers is to take the message because how can they believe if they have not heard? And how can they hear if no one tells them? And how can someone tell them if they're not sent? So there's this understanding that salvation is found in Him, that salvation is comes through listening to the message, engaging in it, and then the last step is to believe. Verse 13. When you listen to the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, that you respond by believing. Now, that's another one of those words. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to believe? Well, not all belief is saving belief. It says even the demons believe and trembled. So not all belief is saving faith. So we have to think, well, what does saving faith belief mean? And the first thing that means is it means we turn from something. As a part of your testimony, as a part of your conversion, there ought to be an I used to statement. You know, when I was growing up, I used to. Before I met Jesus, I used to. There ought to be that statement. Now, I was nine years old when I accepted the Lord. There's not a lot of horror stories in the I used to file back there. All right? So, I mean, I'm not lying. You might see this family, the, the sister and the two younger brothers that shot up the cop car in Florida and robbed a bank in Georgia and got caught this afternoon in Colorado. Okay, I didn't have those kind of things in my background at nine, all right? But I, I still had this, this original sin. I still had this nature of sin. And I had this barrier between me and God because of the sin in my life. So there's this turning from. Then there's this faith that is rightly placed. When it says believe here, the understanding is that you believe in the right thing. Someone has said, your faith is only as good as that in which you have put your faith. For instance, if you're in a car in the passenger seat and the guy that's driving is driving it at 100 miles an hour towards the Grand Canyon... And he says, I have faith in my brakes. If you know for sure the brake lines have been cut, it doesn't matter how good his faith is. Right? It's only as good as what you place your faith in. And so it's, it's belief in Jesus, in the Son of God. And faith that saves is a total commitment. Not Jesus and or Jesus plus or part of my life, Jesus, or all but Jesus. It's everything. Total commitment. Jesus says that the kingdom of God obtaining this is like the man who was out in the field and he saw some treasure and he covered it back up, went and sold everything he had, and he went out and bought the whole field to get the treasure. People treasure crazy things. One of the things that I've got. I've started watching some on TV or some of these treasure hunting shows. Um, American Pickers and the Pawn Shop guys, right? I was watching the Pawn Shop guys the other. Anybody watch those? The the guys that own the place out in Vegas. Um, they went out and watched a guy, a cannon, 
Now, who needs a cannon? I mean, realistically, who needs a cannon? But they had this cannon. Oh, it's a great cannon. It's an old cannon. It's an easily preserved cannon. It was a it was a semi-automatic cannon. You cranked it, and as you cranked it, it shot the shells off. So they get through firing the thing off and blowing stuff up, and and uh, they get ready. Let's talk price. And I'm like, oh, all right, let's see what they're going to give. And the guys from the pawn shop say, what do you want for it? And the guy gives them a price like a 75000 I think mean, that guy's crazy. And the pawn shop guys come back and say, we'll give you 45000 And let me tell you something right now. If somebody offers me $45,000 for a toy, get me to the bank, all right? They can have the toy. They can have the, I don't need a cannon on my front steps, all right? And this guy won't budge. It's just worth more than that to me. What? It's worth more than that to you. It's not, you know, are, is part of you in it? I mean, what's... People treasure crazy stuff, right? Here's the thing. Saving faith means having a crazy commitment to the Lord. It is all or nothing. It is all in, no negotiating. And it is the kind of thing that you would sell everything you have just to get a part. Faith that is saving means literally putting your whole self in it. Let me close with this. My favorite illustrations, which has been told in a variety of ways, and this is the way I heard it this week, so this is the way I'll tell it this week, about a guy named Blunden who lived around Niagara Falls. How many have been to Niagara Falls? I've never been. I've heard it's just amazing. He would stretch a tight walk, a tight walk, a tight rope across Niagara Falls and walk it back and forth. And people, I don't know if you know this or not, but back in the 1860s, they didn't have televisions or movie theaters, and so they came and watched stuff like that. And he was just amazing people, back and forth in the tight rope. And as the story goes, he told them one week, come back next week, I'm going to push a person across on a wheelbarrow. So he started looking for volunteers. Saturday came. He didn't have any volunteers yet. He was at a local restaurant, coffee shop, whatever they had back then. It wasn't a Starbucks, but, you know, you get the idea. And he heard this guy. He was standing at the counter, and he heard this guy over beside him go, Man, did you hear what Blunden's going to do today? And somebody, he can't. Oh, he can do that. I believe he could. There is no doubt in my mind he could do that. London just kind of tapped him on the shoulder and said, Sir, I am so excited you believe in me that much. As a matter of fact, I am still looking for someone to ride in my wheelbarrow. Would you like to be the one who rides? And the guy said, No. No. Here's the thing. Saving faith is the kind that gets in the wheelbarrow. He says, I'm yours, Jesus. It's not half-hearted commitment. It's not punching a clock. It's not filling a pew. It's not doing community service. It's not doing something that people expect you to do. It's not because my wife wants me to or my kids expect it or I want to raise a good family. It is putting yourself in the wheelbarrow and saying, I am all in. 
That's what salvation is. And that's how you obtain it. The question we're going to talk about next week is, well, how do I know I got it? And can I lose it?